I was, I was a youth minister here for uh, 10 years, and that's been a long time ago, but uh, I, I know now where the, all those teenagers got all their talking. You know, they never listened to me, and they got it all from you guys. That's where they got it from. So glad you guys are, are here this morning. Welcome to uh, Gateway. And uh, just a couple of real quick things. Uh, there's a ladies' retreat coming up, and so I hope if you're a, a lady, a woman, a female, whatever you consider yourself, a girl, I hope you'll plan to be a part of that. And those are, there's, a, there's some more information out on the, in the foyer, on the table out there, and there's some information in the bulletin. And you can talk with, uh, with Renee. She's not here today, but you can talk with Renee Parsons, or you can talk with Glenda Lindenberger. She's not here today either, but uh, you can talk with either one of them, you know. And uh, so you can call them on the phone, I guess, and interrupt whatever they're doing today and find out some more information. I hope you'll plan to go to that. And then one other thing I wanted to make sure and say, I don't know if this ever got announced officially or not, and that is, uh, you know, Don Gibson was a great, great part of our church family, for starters, and then also a great part of Christian services where he worked for a long time as an employee. He and Margot were a team over there for the last several years. Don moved to uh, back to Lubbock. And so to replace Don, we've actually hired two people. And so you know how hard Don was working when you have to replace him with two people. And they're working, each of them are working a half a week, two and a half days. And the first person is Sarah Sperry. Sarah, raise your hand right there. That's Sarah. And yeah, we're glad she's doing that. And the other person is Dennis Moore. Dennis, raise your hand right there. We're so glad both of those guys, those ladies. So thankful for the work that they do in Christian services and that Margot does. All you volunteers and the volunteers from all the churches in town, let's keep those people in our prayers. They're sharing the good news of Jesus by sharing clothes and food, and they pray for people and help people on sometimes the worst day of their life. You can continue to be a part of that. You are a part of it because our church supports that financially. And then you can continue to be a part of that partly by bringing your clothes, and we don't need you know, we don't need garbage. I mean, stuff that you'd be like, I'd never wear this again. Well, throw it away then, okay, if you'd never wear it again. But if you have some uh, slightly used clothing or you want to buy some clothing at Walmart and bring it, they have feast or famine over there in Christian services. Sometimes they have lots of clothes, and then sometimes, and right now it's a little bit, kind of a little bit of a famine, especially with coats. So if you got some coats, bring a coat uh, to, you know, bring an extra one, or, or if you want to buy one at Walmart as part of uh, your way of giving to the Lord. So this is a good time. I'm just saying, this week, I'd, I'd love to just inundate them. Let's work their, work, work their rear ends off. That's what I was going to say. So uh, anyways, and yeah, 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 okay. So, um, so I'm glad you guys are here today. Um, we are in this series of lessons, and it's called Shoes, and it is from the book of 2 Timothy. And I encourage you last week that I'd like to, I will hope you will read 2 Timothy at least once a week this month. And so I hope you did read 2 Timothy this last week. And if you didn't, it's okay. You can still catch up and you could read it this week. So I want you to just, I, I, I hardly ever do this, but I want you to just look at the person beside you and say, 2 Timothy is awesome. Okay, everybody do that. Ready? On the count of three to the person next to you. One, two, three, go. All right. I really do encourage you to read God's Word at your house this week, and it doesn't take very long to read through this little book. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a bunch of books in the New Testament, but this is his last book 
that he wrote. He wrote it at the end of his life, in the winter season, if you will, of his life. And the winter season or the autumn season of life is often the time when people choose to retire and they choose to put on some shoes, metaphorically. Maybe they choose to put on their golf shoes or their beach shoes or their shopping shoes or their house shoes because I'm retiring and yet not the Apostle Paul. In the kingdom of God, he does not retire. He keeps wearing some other shoes, and we're looking through 2 Timothy at some of the shoes he's encouraging people to wear. Now, you'll not find the word shoes in 2 Timothy. This is just my way of presenting this so that you can remember it and so that it'll sink in and so hopefully it'll make a difference in our lives and our hearts. But these are some of the things we talked about last week from chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Paul says, put on your soldier's shoes. There's a war. There's a battle going on for your soul and the souls of those around us, for the kingdom of God. So wear these shoes. He says also, put on your athletic shoes. He says, I want you to to, uh, play hard as an athlete plays. I want you to play by the rules. I want you to help the team, the kingdom of God, move forward. And then he says, put on your farmer's shoes. Put on these shoes of planting and, and of of weeding out weeds and watering and praying and enduring and waiting just like farmers do. So these are the things we talked about last week. And here's the deal. The point of those, I believe, is that Paul is saying, I'm not quitting. I'm still walking in the kingdom of God. I am finishing the race strong. That's what Paul says. And so can we. We can finish the race strong. If you weren't here last week, I really do encourage you to get one of the CDs in the foyer or to go to our website and listen to this particular lesson because I think it's an important thing to grab a hold of this idea that we are being renewed day by day. The word in the Greek language is kainos. Kainos, that that, that even though our bodies are getting older, our bodies are, are, are falling apart, you might say, in, in many ways, but in the inside, today, I'm being made new. And, and on the inside, tomorrow, even though I may get up out of bed and I may, my back may hurt or, or I may be you know, trying to get over something that I've got in my body, my, in the inside, brand new renewed day after day after day. And Paul is saying he is bearing fruit in his old age. He, is, he believes what we read this morning from the book of Psalms, that he is staying fresh and green. Even though he's in the last season of his life, he's not brittle and old and, and, and just cranky and cracked and breaking apart and he's not brittle like that he is fresh and green and this is an important concept for us to grasp so that we don't ever reach for retirement shoes in the kingdom of God ever 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 Today we're going to look at another pair of shoes that Paul wears all the way to the end of his life. And he encourages Timothy to wear these shoes and to pass them on to other people because that's how Christianity works. 
Christianity is passed from Paul to Timothy and from Timothy to some other people and from those people to some more people, all the way down to you and me. Some people have compared Christianity to a play that has been written mostly. The beginning is written. The middle parts have been recorded. The last act is already set in place, but the scenes just before the end of the play are not written yet. And here's the cool part. You and I, we get to write the parts of the play right there before the end with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what part will you play? What verse will you write in the story? What will be your part? Let's pray, and then we'll read from 2 Timothy. Dear Lord, thank you this morning for our church family. I just, I just want to thank you for, there's just people here today, and I, my heart fills up with joy that they're here. Some people that I haven't seen in a while. And I just rejoice, God, that they've decided to come and worship here today. I thank you for little Keegan sitting behind me today and singing and saying amen and just, there it is, God. Thank you. Thank you for him. I just thank you that this faith we're talking about is being passed on from generation to generation. I thank you, God, for, for, Miss, for Miss Leela this morning and just for her beautiful heart, her, her beautiful smile, her faith, and everybody in between, God. Thank you. You are so good, and you are good to give us this church family, to share our lives together, to live with each other and encourage one another. And now, God, today, as we read from your word, would you help our hearts to be open, Lord? Help our minds not to be lazy. Help our minds to be sharp right now, that we might grow. We might grow more like Jesus. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus, and everyone says... Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. Paul says this to Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who also will be qualified to teach others. What shoes are we talking about today? We're talking about teaching shoes teaching shoes. And it's kind of hard to find a picture of teaching shoes. It's easy to find a picture of athletic shoes or a pair of boots, but how do you get teaching shoes? I mean, that could be anything, right? So I picked this picture because it shows a person who has some steps he's following or she's following in. And this person, although it's not in the picture, I'm imagining is inviting others to follow behind. Teaching shoes. This is what Paul is telling Timothy, he is in a sense like a race where you pass on the baton, but there's that section where both of you are still running, and that's the sense of what I get when I read 2 Timothy. Paul is running along right with with Timothy, and he's handing it to him. He's saying, it's about to be yours. I'm giving it over to you, but he's still running with him right up to the end of his life. How can Paul do it for so long? When you think about his life and all he went through and all the discouraging things that happened and all the ways that doors got closed and slammed in his face and all the physical, horrible things he went through, how could he keep doing it 
for so long? How could he never get to the place where he said, enough of wearing kingdom shoes. I retire. You younger people take it. I'm done with this. How could he never get to that place? Well, the motivation is right in these words we just read a moment ago when he says to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace is the motivation. Grace is the thing that keeps Paul moving forward year after year. Disappointment after disappointment. Beating after beating. All the way up to the point of the end of his life. Grace. And if, and if we're hoping that anything else might keep us going, we're going to be disappointed. There are other things that will motivate us. Fear will motivate us. Guilt will motivate us. Inspiration will motivate us. Group think will motivate us. What other people think of us will motivate us. All those will motivate us for a while. Keeping rules from the Bible, having a list of them and keeping rules will motivate us for a while. All these will last a while, but only grace will carry us all the way to the last season of our life. It's the only thing. Listen to what Paul says at the beginning of this book. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9-12, through 12, God has saved us. He chose us to live a holy life. It wasn't because of anything we have done. It was because of His own purpose and, say the word, through Christ Jesus, God gave us that grace even before time began. It has now been made known through the coming of our Savior Jesus he has destroyed death because of the good news. He has brought life out into the light. That, that life never dies. Paul says, I was appointed to announce that good news. I was appointed to be an apostle and a teacher. There it is. And he says, that's why I'm suffering the way I am. But I'm not ashamed. I know the one I believed in. I'm sure he's able to take care of what I've given him. I can trust him with it until the day he returns as judge. Paul is writing some of the last words that he will write. And he's saying, this is all about God's grace. That is the reason that I'm, I'm suffering because I've been teaching. I'm suffering. But let me tell you, I can hold on right through the suffering. And here's the reason, because of God's grace. These are the last words. And we can tell a lot about people probably by their last words. Now, for some people, their last words might be a gauge of their stupidity. For example, I heard here are some famous last words of people who were stupid. Are you ready? Here they are. Hey, Bubba, watch this. Yeah. Another good one. Pull the pin and count to what? Some of you will get that at lunch. You can explain why you're laughing. And then my favorite one, uh, because I guess we live in the mountains here, and, and I've seen some of this stupidity. I wonder where the mama bear is. Yeah. Last words. There's an author. His name is Dallas Willard. 
And some of you may have read some of his books. He's a great author. I recommend his books. He's a great speaker and teacher. All the way up to his death, he was, he was doing these things. And, and uh, last year, he, he got cancer and he died. But he, he, he's impacted me because the books that he has written have emphasized not behavior on the outside, not rules on the outside to make us stay on a line or else we'll get in big trouble, okay? But he's emphasized from God's word change from the inside that indeed ends up altering our behavior on the outside, but it's motivated from the inside. It's motivated from the change, from the love, from the grace of God. And I'm not surprised that I read recently that when Dallas Willard died, the people, his family and friends were gathered around his bed, that he kind of rallied, he'd been non-responsive, but he rallied kind of at the end, he opened his eyes, and he said two words. Thank you. And then he died. Wasn't really speaking, it didn't seem like to anybody in the room, but speaking to someone else beyond the room, perhaps. Thank you. That's internal. That's living his life by the motivation of grace that would help him to keep going and going and going all the way through the winter season of his life. See, Paul is saying this. He's saying, I'm a teacher. And Timothy and all the rest of you out here, I want you to put on your teaching shoes. All of us. Put on your teaching shoes. Some of you might say, no, wait a second, I don't know about that. What do you mean? i got to get up in front of a class or something? Is that what you're talking about? Well, one of the most important ways that the Bible tells us that we teach Christianity is through our lives, through our examples, through our actions and our kindness and our work ethic and our honesty, through our morals, through the way we speak to our family with respect and honor through our giving and through our joy, through our interest that we show in other people before ourselves, through the prayers that we offer and the assistance we offer to our neighbors, through our sacrificial love for the people around us, the Bible says we teach, we show, we live an example. That's what Paul did in front of Timothy. Look at this scripture. Just a few verses later, you, however, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, suffering, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Paul is saying, Timothy, my life had shoes on it. And those shoes were teaching shoes on my life. You could watch me live, and then you could follow in my steps and do like I did. Patient, love, enduring, persecutions, suffering. You could watch me, Timothy. And you might say, well, you know what? John, I'm not Paul. How am I going to teach people with my life? That's Paul. Well, Paul doesn't write very much here about being a teacher in the traditional sense that we normally think of words. 
Primarily, he's writing about a lifestyle. All of us can live in front of others around us. But I will tell you this. It's not just being a good little boy or a good girl and then hoping people notice and they go, wow, what a nice neighbor we have. That's not all it is. Not enough. It's about speaking the name of Jesus in connection with these things. How does that happen? It, it, it can happen in some real awkward ways and some ways that run people off and turn people off and make people think, I don't want to be, not only do I not want to be like that person, I don't even want to be around that person, okay? So, so there are some very awkward, unnatural, annoying ways to speak the name of Jesus, but there are also some very natural ways for that to happen in your life. And here's the connection in, in my humble opinion, is it happens through your own reading of God's Word. It doesn't mean you have to stand up and be a teacher in class. But if we will read God's Word, if we will soak in His Word, give it time, like you, you like get, you know, you don't, you don't like run a bathtub, put some bubbles in it, you know, maybe, I don't know about what all you ladies do, maybe you light some candles, you know, get a nice drink or something, you're going to settle in and relax. You don't like get all that set up and then like, you know, like dip in for like 60 seconds and then you're like, okay, that's good, I'm out, and you dry off and you go to bed. No, you soak in it. And God invites us to soak, linger in the Bible. And here's the deal. If we'll do that, God will change our hearts. He'll renew our minds. And over time, those things that we're soaking in in the Bible will just naturally come out in some of our conversations and in the ways that we live. So maybe an important question for all of us today is this. How much time did you spend in God's Word this week? I think that's an important enough question that if you're kind of, I know, that, I know how it is to listen to sermons, okay? I know, I got it, and I know I sit and I listen to sermons, and sometimes it's like, wah, 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 you know, I listen a little bit here and there. That might be an important enough point that I might get everybody's attention again if you're asleep and you're not paying attention, and ask this question for you to evaluate yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to perhaps convict you if it need be. Here's the question. How much time did you spend in God's Word this week? Did you linger there? Did you memorize anything from God's Word? I don't mean like a big, long Scripture. Did you even remember a word that meant something to you and carry it with you? Because if you did, God's Spirit is going to give you the opportunities to share those truths, to teach the people around you. Look at the very next verse that Paul points. He said all this stuff about his way of life, and then he goes on to say, this is the source where it came from. Look at this. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. Paul is reminding Timothy, your parents, your grandparents, they taught you from when you were a little baby. What? What did they teach you? The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All Scripture is. Say the two words with me. God breathed. Say it one more time. God breathed. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed. Do we even realize that? Do we really get it? God breathed. I love the story that I recently heard about a man who came to America from a communist country. He was a Christian, and all the churches that he went around to, he would pull out what he had from his pocket in one hand, and it was a copy of the Gospel of John. It was the only Bible he had had in the communist country where he lived. And then he held up his other hand with only two fingers because three were gone that he lost to frostbite. And he explained, I I lost these three fingers waiting in the snow to get this copy of the Gospel of John. And it was worth it. God breathed. And we all have to confess a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on your toes a little bit on purpose. I know I'm doing that. I'm trying, okay? We all have to admit that this God-breathed is oftentimes covered with dust. That it's often a place to set our coffee cup on the coffee table. That too often it's covered over with bills and schedules and calendars because we're too busy for God-breathed. Let's not take it for granted. Let's read it. Let's meditate on it. And as we do, let's ask God to give us opportunities to share it naturally with the people around us. You might still say, well, I just, I don't, I just don't feel very comfortable with this idea of wearing teaching shoes. John, I'm not a teacher. I know the Bible says, you know, be careful, people who are teachers and all that. So I, I really don't think that's really me. That's too much responsibility and it's too much thinking about other people. You know, I just, and, and I don't really have time. I don't have time in my life to be wearing teaching shoes. Well, I'm going to let you deal then with God's word this morning. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, right after verse 17, at the end of chapter 3, here's the very next thing he says after he talks about God breathed. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The word I want to give you today to remember out of this text is be prepared. Be prepared. We're in a season at our home, and have been for several years, of course, of homework. Because I have two teenagers, three teenagers actually at my house right now. So we got this time of homework, okay? And, and of course, there are all kinds of great excuses for not getting my homework done. I've heard a bunch of them. And so have you and some of you teenagers, and there's, you know, down to the fourth graders, some of you have thought of some great, great 
reasons and excuses why you didn't get your homework done. I'm going to give you what I think is one you might not have thought of, and you might use this sometime on your teacher. Here it is. I leave, I leave my homework to the last day because I'll be older and wiser. <laughs> That's a good one. See, I was going to get my homework done this week, but I know I'm feeling some wisdom coming on this weekend. I'll get it done next week. Of course, the most famous of all excuses for my homework not being done. Yeah. My dog ate my homework, right? Maybe, yeah, it's a good idea. Get one of these pictures. You just take this to your teacher, you know. Um, now I'm encouraging you to lie. Let me, I should repent. You know, you shouldn't do that, okay? Uh, this is kind of funny. I like this one. Your homework has a flavor. It's called detention. Yeah. And then my favorite, because you know my uh, non-affinity for cats, homework-eating cat knows dog will get blamed. Yes. <laughs> Evil cats. Amen. And we know all those excuses are ridiculous. And we've heard them all as adults, and even when they start coming, and there might be some reason in there, but you know it's just an excuse, and we know it's ridiculous. And yet, look at this quote, I don't have time is the grown-up version of the dog ate my homework. I don't have time. Really. God breathed. Be prepared. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. Give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. And I have a feeling that he wasn't kidding around. Be prepared. Paul, uh, Peter, I'm sorry. Peter says it this way over in his little book. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. He needs to be the Lord of your heart, the Lord of your life. If you never ask him to be, you need to ask him to be the Lord of our life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, I want to ask you this question. Are you ready to answer when someone asks? What is your hope? And I think the answer is mostly yes. You are ready. And you'll be more ready as you read this. It's going to happen more and more. Now, I will tell you this. It rarely gets asked, like, Jeremy, what is the reason for your hope? Pass me the ketchup. You know, it doesn't get asked that way. Nobody says those words. I've just been thinking today while we were at work, what is the reason for your hope? Nobody ever says those words. But do we have ears to hear people asking the question, Aren't you scared about the test results? Where's your hope? That's what they're asking. Well, I have been a little anxious, but I've been praying. And man, I know Jesus paid the price for me, and so I'm good either way. That's giving an answer for your hope. And don't you want to get revenge on that woman? See, they're asking, where's your hope? Well, actually, to be honest with you, I was hoping, I don't know if I can, but I'm hoping that I can forgive that woman. How can you have so much 
happy. You just seem like your family's so happy. How can you do that when your husband only makes that much money? Where's your hope? That's what they're asking. I'm living for the weekend, baby. Are you going to party with us this weekend? Let's go. Woo! Well, um, I, I am planning to celebrate this weekend. I am. But I'm, I'm actually, I was thinking about going to church. Yeah. I got some friends I'm going to hang out. We're going to watch the game together. They're saying, where's your hope? My hope's for the weekend. Where's your hope? A girl might, a woman might say to another woman, I would give anything, if you know what I mean, to get a date with that guy, wouldn't you? Saying, where's your hope? And that's not your hope. You and I can say, my hope is in Christ. My joy is in Christ. My security is in Christ. I'm living for Christ. And if we will let this sink in, God will give us opportunities. If we will open our ears, God will let us speak into people's lives. He'll allow us to put on our teaching shoes. We just need to be prepared and pray for courage to speak when the time comes. Listen to this, what he says to Timothy. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and love, and self-discipline. Be prepared. Be courageous. The more you find, the more you fill your mind up with this God-breathed word, the more prepared you're going to be to speak about your hope. Your hope, Christ. Because you're going to know Him better and better. And ultimately, that's the whole point of reading this book. If you're reading this book and you're not trying to get to know God better, you're doing something wacky. That's the whole point, getting to know the Lord better. Paul taught Timothy and a bunch of other people as he finished the race and passed on the torch and he's saying no matter your age, you can be fresh and green. You can bear fruit in old age it doesn't matter if you're a grandparent. It doesn't matter if you're a great-grandparent. It doesn't matter if you're a widow or a widower. It doesn't matter if you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s. God has a teaching. God has a pair of teaching shoes for you. They're just your size. Kind of like Ludmilla. And I'd like for you to watch her and her teaching shoes. In my lifetime, I have experienced the rule of two totalitarian regimes. One was the German Nazis, and the second was the Russian Communists. The Word of God says 366 times, do not be afraid, do not fear. So we weren't afraid. After 40 years of communism here, the fact that many believers left the country, the Czech Republic has been called the most atheist place in Europe. It breaks my heart. 
My name is Ludmila Harerova. I'm 82 years old. I have seven grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. My husband went to heaven in 2002. The Lord Jesus told me, now he is my husband, and he wants to continue to use me. He wants me to be his representative, his ambassador. Next to the door of my house, there is a bronze sign that says, the embassy of the kingdom of heaven. My home is an extension of Christ's kingdom. It's a place where people can come and look for help if they're in trouble or have a need. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. That is the atmosphere I want here at the embassy. The visitors that I get, some of them have called ahead to let me know they're coming, and some just come. The ones that haven't called are usually the best ones, because I'm not prepared for them. Everything that happens is dependent on the Lord. Today, a dear friend came by. She's a widow, and her family really are struggling financially. Whenever people enter this house, I just lay everything else aside and spend time with them. I have learned to recognize the inner voice of the Holy Spirit and give Him room to use me. The Holy Spirit likes to take control. Often I listen to myself and I'll say things I wouldn't even think about. There is no problem to deal with the issues that people bring when they come here because the Holy Spirit is here. It's an honor for me to be an instrument of God's love and His wisdom every day. We often don't realize that all believers are called to be representatives of the kingdom of heaven. We are all ambassadors. The Lord Jesus didn't choose to do it any other way. He simply entrusted us. of the kingdom of heaven is where an 82-year-old great-grandmother lives in a country 
that is not friendly to Christianity. And she is wearing her teaching shoes. May you find it impossible to go through a day this week without God-breathed. May you put on your teaching shoes this week. May you be aware that every single place you go this week is an extension of God's kingdom. And may you stay fresh and green in your old age. Let's stand and let's sing. In Christ, in